In a world overrun with an infinite amount of multiverses, originating from a plethora of sources, four longtime friends band together to try to make sense of it all and present it to an audience in an easy-to-digest podcast. This is Geeking Off the Page. Greetings, geeks. This is Mike Kitchen. Uh, whoa, what the heck is going on here with this podcast? Get up, get up. And I'm Trevor, and I really don't know what to say, but I'm going to say a lot of it when I do. Hello everyone, I'm Gavin, and I'm playing Street Fighter. And as a side note, has anyone seen my spleen? And my name is Troy, and have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Alright, so this is uh, me welcoming you to episode 18 of Geeking Off the Page. Now, if you're a regular listener viewer, then you will notice that there's something a little different than the other episodes. What has happened is, at the time of us coming together to actually record this particular episode, something went a little kaplooey with the main computer and we weren't able to actually come together to record. What we've decided to do is still to be able to put an episode out there. We've decided to culminate by recording our individual reactions and sequences together and then stitching it all together for what you are now currently, again, listening to or viewing. So, like every single episode, we're going to start off with our coming attractions. All right, so one of the trailers we actually got this uh, week was actually the second trailer to Venom. There will be carnage. So it's coming exclusively to movie theaters this fall. Venom, let there be carnage. We just saw the second trailer drop this week. And oh boy, uh, there is so much to unpack from that one. Um, we see that, you know, uh, Eddie and Venom are doing a little bit more successfully now. Um, Eddie's driving a Ducati. Um, his reporting career is getting a little bit better. Um, he's getting some of the more exclusives. He's trying to tame Venom in a way, um, you know, get him to come up with some rules that he'll follow, like no eating humans or no eating the bad human, no eating people. That's it. No eating people. Um, but there's still some pushback from Venom, you know, breaking his nose. Then here, let me fix it so I can break it again. Um, just some, you know, I like the fact that they added some humor. Um, it was pointed out to me, like in the first Venom movie, unlike just about all the other superhero movies. Um, Eddie Brock looks progressively worse as the first Venom movie goes on. Like he never at some point cleans up and you see him posing all muscular. You just see him in that ratty hoodie and it just, it just goes downhill from there. This movie, he started to clean up his act, but he's still, you know, he's still in the same crappy apartment, which I don't know how they let him keep it. But the focus is now, on Cletus Cassidy, Carnage, and Woody Harrelson. Now, thankfully, with a better-looking wig than that horrible thing they showed at the end of the first Venom movie, um, we get to see a little bit of his character, the psychosis. We see how he gets his symbiote, which is he bites Eddie Brock on the hand and then says, "I've tasted blood, and that's not blood," and so he got a bite of the symbiote. And then I think was one of the most telling parts of the whole movie is um, his transformation in looks like a, a church that's being renovated or some sort of warehouse renovated. I'm not sure what the building is. And it's an obvious CG Woody Harrelson. 
Um, just it looks close, but not quite. They could have used probably thrown a deep fake over it of Woody Harrelson to give it a little bit more life. But it's the transformation sequence. So when we see Eddie, when Venom comes out of, of Eddie, he kind of wraps around him like a suit. Sure, he gains size and mass, but he's still in there. When Cassidy transforms into Carnage, like his face rips to pieces and he becomes Carnage. We don't know if where Cletus is inside. And when the whole section, when they're shooting and he ex- opens up a hole in his chest so the bullets are just going right on through, Cletus isn't in there. If you did that to a human, they'd be dead because that's his heart that and lungs we'd be seeing there, but we don't see that. So somehow the the carnage symbiote um kind of like maybe liquefies cletus or they are truly whereas venom's a kind of a parasite maybe carnage and and cletus have achieved true symbiosis that there's no really separation of where one ends and the other begins they are a single organism united in devastation and we see that when you know, when Carnage is in full mode and he's got additional limbs and not just one or two, we're talking like tendrils, but also full, fully featured arms. So he's not limiting himself to a, a bipedal, you know, architecture of two legs, two arms and a head and a torso. He is at need growing full secondary sets of arms, tertiary sets of arms um, and flailing you know, limbs everywhere. So it it's it's kind of telling that, you know, Eddie is still separate from Venom. There is still a definite line separating the two. But I feel Cletus and and Carnage, that line isn't there. It's it's a single organism now. We also get to see Shriek, um, who in the comics was Cletus's girlfriend. In this one, I'm not sure how they're going to approach that. Um, There's a funny little bit where, you know, first time Venom's facing down Carnage and Carnage gives the full scream and all the limbs and the tendrils and all that. And Venom sucks himself back into Eddie and Eddie's, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. And it's a red one. We don't know what the connotations are in their society, what a red one means, but I'm guessing it's not good. Um, so I'm hopefully that's something that's going to be explained. You know, and Eddie promised you can eat whoever you want, Bam, Venom's like, sure, because at this point he's being held back. Um, so, yeah, it's there's so many little moments in this trailer that make me want to see it that much more. Um, in some ways, they kind of maybe gave away a little too much, like how Cletus got the, the Carnage symbiote. Um, I think, honestly, that should have been omitted just because now that I know... You know, I'm not going to be surprised when I see it in theaters. And I kind of wanted to be, have that surprise. So in some ways, I'm glad I saw this trailer. It reinforces my desire to see this movie. But I kind of wish I hadn't seen that sequence because I wanted to be surprised of how they were going to introduce it. Because in the comics, Venom and, or, uh, you know, they were sharing, sharing a cell. And Eddie Brock thought the Venom symbiote was dead. And it happened, you know, came in through the window and, and Venom broke out. Just Cletus at that point was ready to kill Eddie Brock because he was doing like 
you know, push up claps and, and, you know, Cletus was trying to get all the subtleties, of the new Motley Crue album or some, some shit like that. And when Venom left, he left a little bit of it left of him behind and that dripped onto Cletus's hand. And then that's how Cletus got his own symbiote because it got into him and flourished. So yeah, Venom, let there be carnage. I'm definitely going to be lining up to see this one. And that's my take on it. The more I see uh, the Venom 2 trailers, the more I'm starting to feel like Woody Harrelson is starting to channel Cletus Cassidy. Uh, one of the things I'm starting to like about Venom slash Eddie Brock slash Tom Hardy is his willingness to look like shit. Uh, clearly, life has not turned around quite the way you'd expect, and Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock is definitely showing that. Most superhero movies have the titular characters uh, slash actor looking buff or in the best shape of their life. I have no doubts Tom Hardy worked out for this role, but his willingness to embrace the shit life Eddie Brock has made himself made the enjoyable movie uh, or the original movie as enjoyable as it was albeit feeling a little like not out of place against the X-Men uh, from the 90s uh, doesn't quite have the polish of a, of a uh, modern day comic book movie from Marvel but I'm willing to overlook it because I did enjoy it so like I said it's uh, due out on the 24th of September in North America it's uh being uh, distributed at different times throughout uh, the calendar in uh, the rest of the world. So the next thing we actually got on our docket is the uh, featurette for Free Guy, which is uh, being released on, let me check my note here, it's uh, the uh, 13th of August, which is this week. That's for Free Guy. I'm starting to really enjoy these these trailers, especially these, uh, these uh, featurettes. Uh, Free Guy's definitely starting to embrace that whole show everything in the trailer mentality but at this point i'm starting to feel like there's way more to it than what we've seen uh free guy is basically grand theft auto but from an npc's point of view it's a featurette i shared that that, I, that had a version of ryan reynolds face on a super buff bodybuilder called dude it looks like a bit of a bad deep fake but it looks like it could be on purpose uh Early reviews are starting to make it sound like the best video game movie till now, and it might be because it doesn't shortchange you on the video game heritage. It's not trying to streamline anything. If anything, it's embracing the video game tropes. We've got tickets for it on Friday night, so we can't wait to see it. It is kind of neat to see, but uh, the idea being is the featurette had a little uh, bit of a really cool little uh, uh, sequence where we are introduced to yet a new character which we have not seen before, and that is called dude and what it is is it's a beefed up version of the guy character that has been created by its uh the video games uh creative uh developer played by uh taka watiti and uh, he has introduced this uh beefed up uh character of um like i said dude to stop guy in the video game uh, now, what the nice thing is, is the featurette actually goes into a uh, basically a behind the scenes sort of thing where uh, Ryan Reynolds uh, makes a totally meta version of this uh, situation where he talks about how uh, how uh, it was so easy for him to get in this physical shape compared to other actors that have complained about uh, getting into physical shape for their superhero movies. Um, he also uh, talks about how uh, he no longer fits into the Deadpool costume, but that's okay. Um, he also says that uh, when uh, he uh, his when he was in that particular form when uh, 
they were uh, conceiving one of their children and how it was born fully <laughs> fully grown with shoes, which was a shock to Blake. So it was a very amazing... <laughs> we have a background uh, person laughing along with us here. Um, well, just because his facial expression was kind of funny. Yeah, it was, it was very beautifully done. It was a great uh, deep fake. Um, it was so cool. Um, and again... Uh, more Ryan Reynolds is what this world needs right now, and like I said, it's being released on the 13th of August. Continuing on, we actually have Netflix uh, getting in on the game again. Uh, however, this time there is going to actually be a select theatrical release of this particular movie, and that is Kate on September 10th, and that is uh, starring uh, Mary Elizabeth uh, Winstead and Woody Harrelson, and um, with the... Uh, the idea of the story is it's sort of like a uh, uh, Dennis uh, Dennis Quaid's uh, DOA movie um, set to the background of a John Wick film. So um, uh, the titular character of Kate is an assassin. Uh, she's uh, hired to kill a, a member of the Yakuza. She apparently fails it because apparently just before she made uh, was on assignment, she was poisoned and she is uh she finds out that she is dying and she decides to go on a uh who i want to find out who killed me sort of storyline as and like i said it is very john wickish it is from the producers of atomic blonde and it has all the really cool gun and violence that uh, you'd expect from this sort of thing and like i said it's being released on netflix and it's also being released to select theaters as well the date september 10th Following up the Netflix uh, theme, uh, we are actually getting a quick little tiny little clippets of Cobra Kai Season 4, which again is being released on Netflix in December of this year. So, Alright, for coming attractions, we have Cobra Kai Season 4 with Netflix. And honestly, it wasn't that much of a trailer. Um, it showed the few characters and gave it a release date, which was good because now I know when I can start up my Netflix membership again. Um, yeah, they didn't have to do a lot in this trailer to sell me on it because, as you know, I was a huge fan of seasons one, two, and three of Cobra Kai. And Gavin, if you haven't seen it all yet, you can pause it now. But the way they ended season three with Eagle Fang, which is essentially Cobra Kai under Johnny, and Miyagi-Do under Daniel... With the two dojos coming together, it formed a yin-yang of the original Karate Kid with all the main characters now united under one dojo. And with the new All Valley Tournament coming up, with Kreese now in charge of Cobra Kai, and with all the other new characters coming in from Karate Kid number three from the movie, um, I think we're going to have a great season. So yeah, they didn't have to really sell me on it with this trailer because either way I'm going to be there and just another side note uh, this podcast you may be hearing lots of different noises from either neighbors or dogs or kids or waves um, because of the technical issues we had Saturday night we're all recording our episodes separately and I'm recording that on the GoPro so it's a little bit of an experiment and we'll see how this whole thing turns out Hopefully you stick around for it, and hope, hopefully Troy is able to salvage it in some way. All right, back to you guys. 
And now what we have is actually yet another that, uh, series that is based on a comic book that has uh, actually been in development for quite a few years, uh, going through several different um, uh, studios and whatnot, uh, being uh, stories being written, stories being thought of uh, being in production, but it finally comes around to it, and FX is doing it this time around. They're also releasing it uh, streaming on Hulu, so uh, the belief being that we are going to be able to see it in Canada on Disney+, Plus, and that is Why the Last Man. So based on the DC uh, Comics uh, series by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerrera, uh, the uh, comic book actually deals with a post-apocalyptic world in which uh, a a cataclysmic event happens where all of the um, mammals with a Y chromosome um, have basically just died. So basically that's what it is. Um, it's like I said it's critically acclaimed uh, series and like I said it's been in development through different studios over the past couple of years and it's finally coming out and like I said that is being released on September 13th so uh, we have uh, just a little while to wait for that. Uh, from the trailer uh, alone, it looks actually kind of kind of cool. Uh, the uh, the development of the way everyone dies uh, looks kind of neat. Uh, and uh, again, a post-apocalyptic world. It's basically um, uh, like seconds after the Thanos snap, but uh, we still have the corpses lying around, uh, and how the world has to deal with uh, half the population now in existence. So on uh, August uh, 6th, uh, this past Friday, uh, James Gunn's uh, The Suicide Squad from DC Comics, uh, Warner Brothers, was finally released after, obviously, the delay from COVID and whatnot has been uh, finally letting up, and we had a both theatrical release and an HBO Max release. All right, I guess now it's time to move on to Suicide Squad. And apologies if I get interrupted. You know, the dog's on the beach. So we have to make sure we take care of her. So overall, Suicide Squad, I thought was a great movie. And full disclaimer, I didn't watch the first one. So I don't know how to compare it to. So I'm really curious to see what the other guys think on how this one compares. I'm pretty sure it's a much better movie. Um, the first Suicide Squad, I was excited to hear that Joker and Batman was in it. But then it doesn't seem like they actually did anything and they cut most of the stuff out. Um, this one, James Gunn coming into the DC Universe after Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. I think he did a good job. He took a whole bunch of characters that we don't really know too much about, at least the average public, and he turned it into a really great themed movie. And the fact that he kept the idea of the Suicide Squad intact I think is really smart. Um, I like the fact that within the first three minutes of the movie, we already see the Deadpool. Which is funny because we talked about this in previous podcasts. And everybody made their picks. And to see the characters in the movie doing the same thing, I got a really kick out of that. Uh, let's see, what do we have to talk about? Um, Harley Quinn, as usual, great. Uh, I don't think I've ever been that thrilled with the previous movie she was in. But her portrayal of Harley Quinn, I thought was always good. One thing I think during the rescue sequence, the one woman rescue sequence where she offered to go back and imprison herself because her friends came to get her. But while she was hacking up all the guards, I thought it would have been a nice touch if she actually ended up carving a smile in one of the faces. I think that would be a good nod to the Joker and her past history. So I was kind of sad we didn't see that. By the way, I do have notes. Um, yeah, it was funny in the first few minutes, uh, because we did make the Deadpool. 
and I was amazed at how tired my hand got within the first few minutes seeing the entire first team basically drop off the chart like flies so there's a lot of red X's going through the Deadpool chart and again congratulations to Troy because I'm pretty sure if my numbers are correct you won the Deadpool uh, with only two mistakes I got three I came close but uh, one of them came back to life in the uh, end credit sequence uh, what else have we got so um, interesting point is the male full frontal nudity that was happening throughout the sequence I almost thought we were gonna get a Wolf of Wall Street Harlequin in there at some point I think he probably did the right thing not doing that uh, since it is the main character and there's no need to objectify her um, but as we all know male full frontal nudity is more funny so I guess that's okay to include that in the film uh, Peacemaker so John Cena I think he was the probably the highlight of the entire movie and I had a good feeling going in from seeing what I saw in the trailers with him taking notes uh, before the mission uh, I saw other articles saying that the first take, John Cena was playing him as more of a drill sergeant. And then James Gunn came in and said, no, no, you, I think we need a different approach to this. Uh, we want him more as a douchey Captain America. And I think that was the right decision. Uh, John Cena knocked it out of the park. And as far as the Deadpool goes, I couldn't see how they could kill this character. He was way too iconic with such a big name and such a good performance I couldn't see how they could get rid of him in one movie so when he died in this film I was really sad drawing that X through the chart and seeing that I got one wrong uh, very happy to see the end credits where he survived and I did say this is a spoiler cast right? yeah so anyways apparently there's going to be a new Peacemaker series that's currently in the works um, I'm glad I didn't read that article before I watched the movie all right, what else have we got here in the notes? Starro. And then now, that's a James Gunn bold move, is to make Starro the main villain of the film. Um, I thought it was brilliant. You got such a goofy concept as the Suicide Squad. You're going full out R-rated in it. And yet, you have a giant pink and blue starfish as the main villain. <laughs> but I think he handled it really well. And I normally don't like zombies in movies, but somehow it really works. When the zombies have a pink starfish on the face and are trying to attack the Suicide Squad, uh, it, it just works for me. So I really enjoyed that. And this is also the case where when the villain is defeated at the end and all the enemy army of zombies drops, unlike in Avengers, um, in this case it seemed to make a lot of sense. So I did like that. Uh, again, checking my post-it notes. I guess the next thing to talk about is just the idea of the whole Deadpool and some thoughts I went into doing the picks that I did. Uh, Rick Flagg, uh, I knew he was the main character in the first movie, even though I didn't see it. Although I thought if they were going to stick to the theme of the Suicide Squad, they had to take down somebody very important if it was going to work. And I know in the comic books there was a Rick Flagg Jr., so taking out this Rick Flagg is a good opportunity if they do another film to bring in Rick Flagg Jr. and have 
his son fill in that role. Uh, Savant, he seemed like a pretty one-dimensional character, so I figured he had to be taken out this episode. I do like the fact that the film started with him and made you empathize with him as far as you can with the serial killer. And the fact that he was the last guy taken out and it was the brain chip that did it. Uh, that really solidified what it means to be in the Suicide Squad. Javelin, I mean, he's full yellow outfit. How can you not cover that with blood? Like, that just seemed like a no-brainer. Harley Quinn, we knew she had plot armor. <laughs> there is no way DC was going to take out Harley Quinn in this movie. Unless Margot Robbie really wanted to get out of her contract. Polka Dot Man. That was a fun character. I wish they did a little bit more with the polka dots because there's just so many weird things you could do with that. It's such a strange character and I thought it, the performance was brilliant. I liked the special effects. I liked the fact that it was like interdimensional warts on his face that he could shoot out of his body. And I did like the fact that he was constantly looking at every single character as an image of his mother. And then when we saw the Starro version of his mother, uh, that made me crack up. I thought that was really smart. Bloodsport, that one I wasn't too sure of in the Deadpool. It's like they're going to introduce this character. He obviously has a relationship with his daughter, but are they going to take him out or are they going to give him a happy ending? And I'm glad that they did give him the happy ending. King Shark. I saw the Mortal Kombat pose of him ripping a torso apart vertically in one of the trailers. It must have been a Red Band trailer. And I thought he was... They had to kill him. They had to get rid of him because he seemed like he was just too savage to let live. But they made him such an adorable character. Uh, I can see why they kept him around. He's sort of like the Hulk of the Suicide Squad. Or he could be. Uh, Mongrel. He just seemed like a basic two-dimensional character. Easy one to kill off. The Thinker. He's not strong. Of course he's going to die. I didn't know he'd be working for the bad guys. But, well, I mean, they're all bad guys. But I didn't know he'd be the one controlling Starro. So Soria. She seemed like a pretty decent character. That's a good one for humanity to keep in. Uh, Ratcatcher 2. I thought she'd be a lot creepier. I thought she was going to have a horrid death. Um, but she ended up being one of the more likable characters in the film, and she really did ground the Suicide Squad in their humanity. Blackguard. I mean, a guy with guns. I figured he'd be taken out pretty easy. I thought it would be later on because of the guns. I thought it would be more action sequences. Uh, I did not expect him to be a traitor. So that was kind of neat. Uh... TDK, the detachable kid. <laughs> that was one. He's such a weird character. I could see James Gunn keeping him around. But if you're going to have a death count, that seems like one to go, especially considering he's not an actual DC character. Weasel, again, with James Gunn's brother doing the mocap, I thought they maybe would keep him around. But he seemed. Dis or. Yeah, he seemed disposable. I did not expect him to see him drown in the first scene, and I did not expect to see him be resurrected at the end. Boomerang, again, one of the OG Suicide Squad. If it's going to be Suicide Squad, he has to die. And Peacemaker, as we talked about. How could you kill John Cena? The character is just too powerful. And this is a character that I used to watch, not watch, read in the comic books, uh, in Checkmate. That was, is where I was introduced to Peacemaker. And he was always a weird character. And at first I thought he was goofy with his toilet bowl helmet. But eventually the character grew on me. And he was a douchey Captain America. And again, they portrayed him great in the film. And I'm glad they decided to keep him around. So, 
I'm pretty sure that's all I have to say about Suicide Squad. So back to you guys. So the Suicide Squad. Oh my God. If I were to compare the original Suicide Squad with the Suicide Squad, hands down the Suicide Squad kicks the original's butt. Just uh, just a superior film. You got a bigger cast, but well used. We finally get to see, I mean, in the first Suicide Squad, it was very quickly, you know, guy with the ropes, dead and they were like oh okay they're expendable but it didn't really sink in um compared to the suicide squad that opening beach sequence they're getting taken out left and right and this embodies the suicide squad they they have to join waller's team and they go on suicide missions with a very low mortality or very low return rate of high mortality rate so when I was watching this movie, I I knew it was rated R, so I expected the gore, and they they brung it. They brung the gore, um, and we had done the you know the Deadpool where you know would say, oh, we think this character's gonna live. This character, I was way off. Characters who I was sure were gonna live died. Characters like nah, that character's not gonna live. No, oh, they lived. Um, and even right up to the end credits and the post credits. Uh, yeah, the, the two post-credit scenes really kind of pitched my my list for a, a spin. Um, so if you don't want to hear any spoilers, stop listening now because I'm going to dive into the spoilers right now. Um, so yeah, uh, it was a great film. Um, I had lots of fun. It was a little slow in parts. Um, you know, it just, it's nature of the beast. It's a long film. It's like, what, 132 minutes, over two hours. Um, I think the the editing could have been tightened up. Some of the some of the scenes could have been a little bit tighter um, or could have been handled a little bit differently to get the same effect but not take as long. So the pacing in the middle, I think, really has some issues. That being said, um, it, it was a fun film to watch. It was really fun. Um, I think that Margot Robbie is an amazing Harley Quinn. You know, she says one thing one second in like a Midwestern accent. The very next thing, it's a definite Bronx accent. And it, it's almost like it's the different personalities vying for attention back and forth. But at the same time, it's all like just madness coming out of her mouth. Um, and this is kind of feels like it's in some ways a continuation from the first Suicide Squad film, because, you know, uh, Harley Quinn acknowledges Boomerang. Um, they kind of acknowledge Flag, like he's, you know, successfully had the, the stick pulled out of his ass. So the returning characters from the first film, you there was a bit of camaraderie there, um, which made the death of Captain Boomerang as awesome as it was, a little, a little hard to take initially, because you're like, not, not not boomerang, but also you got to finally see him throw the damn boomerangs and use them effectively like he's supposed to. That was awesome. Um, King Shark was funny. Yeah, he's the 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 lovable, lovable dim-witted intelligence of three. Um, did his own thing the whole time. 
you know, it's almost like he wasn't even sure he was on a mission, which it was played well because if he was played as an intelligent character, um, it would have, I don't know if it would have, I don't think it would have the same effect. I thought Michael Rorker's character of the savant, it was a shame the way he got taken out, but it also set up the way they were doing the almost like the chapter headings of each section which were beautifully done i love like the operation jortenheim operation harley and now in smoke and and those little things really i mean they pure james pure james gun 100 that's his fingerprint right on top of that um i like kind of seeing amanda waller towards the end lose a little bit of control um it was nice it was nice to see that just how far she's willing to go to get the mission done um so there were so many yes moments in this film like are they really gonna yep yep they're gonna do that and i loved it it was it was a fun watch this is definitely a movie that if I'm scrolling through the channels and it pops up on, on, on like TBS or something, I'm going to stop and watch. It probably won't show up on TBS because holy damn, is it gory as fuck. Um, seeing people ripped in two vertically, a little hard to, to, to really stomach. Um, but yeah. Um, and I have to say props to John Cena as the peacemaker. I mean, he played that role right to the goddamn hilt. And it'll be nice to see him in whatever sequel they're coming up with. Because there's got to be a sequel. There's got to be. Um, I'd love to see a sequel with Bloodsport and Deadshot. Um, you know, I think Idris Elba and, and Will Smith would play well against each other. Because in essence, they're kind of the same. Um, but yeah, um, I was saddened at the death of Colonel Flagg. It's almost like they, in some ways, they were picking off some of the characters who who came over. Like, you know, Margot Robbie was safe, but I thought that you know, Rick Flag was was safe as well. I guess not. Um, I thought that Captain Boomerang might have been safe. I guess not. Um, yeah, it just some of the the delivery. Every character had a unique flavor. Polka Dot Man you know his droll dry delivery it was it was fun to watch um as i said this is definitely a movie that i'll watch again happily um i think this is one of the dc films that was done right as opposed to the the horde that have been done wrong um i think that if dc and warner brothers are listening this is the direction they need to go to, to have more successful films, to have a more successful cinematic universe. I hope they pay attention. You know, they're not, but we can always dream and hope. Anyways, uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, I know there were plot holes. I'm not going to go into them right now, but damn, it was a fun watch. I was honestly not sure if I'd have time to watch it this weekend, but I'm glad I did. I'll say first off, the Deadpool we betted on surprised me. Well, surprised and not at all surprised. Of all the characters I had absolutely no expectations to live, Weasel survived. Flag did not. I have to admit, James Gunn had the art of the ensemble movie down pat. Take a bunch of characters with only with about only half 
the diehard comic book fans would would actually know, play hard and fast with the concept of Suicide Squad and still come up with something great. John Cena as Peacemaker was a riot. The great com combination of douchebag and expertise. Uh, Edris Elba was the unwilling participant, would-be leader. Uh, had a quiet competence about him. Uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn was the right mixture of crazy and lethal. King Shark was surprisingly likable with Sylvester Stallone voicing. There were some great performances with the detachable kid uh, played by Nathan Fillion showing how useless his powers could be, as well as Mike Rooket as Savant who lasted all of about, I think, 20 seconds in combat. Uh, they got Amanda Waller perfectly cast, uh, a full-on hard-ass willing to do anything for a country. Uh, overall, I really like this. Uh, DC, DC movies on the whole, I can count on one hand that I've actually enjoyed, had fun, there's a few more, but actually enjoyed. There's three. Well, now four, including uh, Suicide Squad. What I want to say about this movie is that it is um, definitely, definitely a better movie than the previous Suicide Squad movie. Uh, I kind of enjoyed the original Suicide Squad movie. It was fun. I went with a bunch of friends. We got all dressed up and did the costume things. So we were having fun anyways. And, like, it wasn't the best done script it wasn't the best developed characters but it was a fun movie to see also the nice little added bonus feature is that the fact that it was actually filmed in toronto checking out all the locations was kind of neat to figure that out now james gunn was hired to do this after he was released from his contract from disney about some uh tweets he made way way back in time and uh, they dropped him from be from continuing on with the Guardians of the Galaxy and just remove him from the Marvel Universe uh, MCU altogether. Uh, so DC snatched him right up and said, hey, we'll give you this movie if you want to do a movie. And he went like, if I'm allowed to do what I want to do with uh, bringing in the characters that I want to bring in, then I'll do that. And that is exactly what he did. And that is exactly what you got. You got all of these really fun, obscure characters that only James Gunn can think of thinking up a storyline for these people and it was it was such a fun movie to watch uh, first of all it looks spectacular and again it's James Gunn James Gunn knows how to shoot movie he knows how to shoot action he knows how to shoot uh, ensemble casts he knows how to do epic and we've seen him from his career from the get-go he knows how to make an entertaining movie um, he also knows how to write entertaining movies too, because he's also a, a part. He was one of the writers on this particular movie as well. Um, it is so much fun, uh, and the 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 advertisement is perfect for it too, because you don't want to get attached to any character, because you know that it's the Suicide Squad. People are going to die. Don't get attached to any of your characters and all that. And like I said, this was a fun movie um it was spectacular the i want to see behind the scenes stuff i want to know how part of this was done this looked so so good uh so many jokes uh, there was a lot of heart in it too character development was fantastic the uh bonding between characters was really really cool um he brings out the best in all of these um like he does fantastic with um Margot Robbie doing Harley Quinn. He is, my God, I mean, I've seen John Cena in other things, and I've enjoyed him in other things, but this has been, like, one of my favorite performances of John Cena. 
Um, and Idris is, I mean, it's Idris. I mean, he is fantastic in this. Joel Kinnaman returning also is really spectacular. And uh, one of the best surprising things was King Shark, uh, first of all, voiced by Sylvester Stallone. This, um, now we know there was a person actually present for the actual form of King Shark, but the digital overlay of this shark is just so fantastic. And um, Ratcatcher 2, uh, which is uh, Daniela Melacuar, is so amazingly fantastic. I mean, I definitely want to seek out what this woman has done before because she was just a pleasure to watch in this uh, role. Um, and other things like the Polka Dot Man and uh, TDK and... Uh, all the others, like uh, Captain Boomerang is back, and we're introduced to a bunch of other characters. It's just, um, uh, the Thinker is a character, which is uh, Peter Capaldi, that we're uh, introduced to in this movie. And it is just such a fantastically amazing visual romp through the DC universe. Uh, Viola Davis returns as... Amanda Waller and gives a stellar performance again. Uh, she is not as involved in the storyline as she is in the original one. I mean, she is there. She's doing her duty. She's running things from her um, her her headquarters and whatnot. Uh, but uh, it is just a like I said, a fantastic movie to watch. James Gunn did a fantastic job. And I can't wait to see if this is where we're going with stuff uh, for this particular thing. Like one-off uh, separate movies from like your original like Justice League sort of central things. If this is what DC is going to be bringing us, this is fantastic. Hopefully uh, The Flash uh, comes out looking like this. We know that uh, we got another Shazam coming out. We know how entertaining that was. Uh, Black Adam, not 100% sure what Black Adam is going to be like, but hopefully it'll be a little more on the... Oh, that's the other thing. This is gory. This is graphic. This is... There is so much blood and guts, but it's done so beautifully. It's artistically done. Like, every single time you see someone killed, it's completely different. It's not like, let's shoot a bunch of guys with guns. There are a bunch of guys shot with guns, but every single sequence that we show a new set of people getting killed by guns it's shot completely differently um and each character has their own way of killing people and it's so fantastically oh polka dot man is his reasoning for doing what he does and it's just so ah uh, when we have kills it is sometimes oh really Duh, really? Of course that person was going to die. But there are other times it's like, no, ah, which is phenomenal. To be actually hopeful that someone makes it to the end of the movie is fantastic. And when the rug gets pulled out from underneath, it's like, oh, James, you bastard. So um, big thumbs up for me for uh, suicide. the Suicide Squad. James Gunn. Mwah. So that brings us down to our Box Office Showdown, round 14th, which where we go to the website uh, Box Office Mojo, where we actually have a listing of the complete gross uh, that all the movies make um, uh, in, the, uh, the in their theatrical release time. 
Uh, so what we've done is we've uh, gone through the whole entire list, the top 100, and we've actually culminated all the comic book themed movies out of that and put it into our list. And uh, today, uh, the one, the two movies that are going up to each other in round 14 is the second place, which is actually in the top 100 at the fifth place uh, position, is uh, 2018's The Avengers Infinity War. And that brought in 2 billion uh, $48,359,754. And that is going up against the number three seed, which is actually in the eighth position of the top 100 movies, and that is 2012's Marvel's The Avengers. And that brought in $1,518,815,000. $15. So like I've said before, we've actually gone through these uh, quite a bit. We've talked about both these movies quite a bit, and obviously they have won their um, perspective, uh, their previous uh, rounds to get down to this one, and now we've put them up against each other. But just a refresher is that the uh, Infinity War, so the Avengers and their allies must be willing to sacrifice all and attempt to defeat the powerful Thanos before his blitz of devastation puts a ruin and an end to the universe. And in contrast, Marvel's The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes must come together and learn to fight as a team if they are going to stop the mischievous Loki and his alien army from enslaving humanity. So, a bit of a sort of similar themes, but um, the scale is completely different. All right, box office showdown. So we have Marvel's Avengers versus Avengers Infinity War. And this is a kind of interesting matchup. Um, Avengers. I think this was the first proper comic book superhero team movie. Now, we did have X-Men before with Brian Singer. And that was the first time I think we saw a bunch of different heroes with a bunch of different powers as a team. Although, that one, he had them dressed in all black leather, and it was based on a comic book where they're already a team, whereas Avengers was a bunch of individual superheroes that had their own titles that came together as a team. So, Avengers was a really interesting one for me. I remember back when the first trailer came out for that with Nine Inch Nails, we're in this together now. And as soon as I saw that trailer, I got so hyped for this movie. I thought, you know what, they might actually pull this off. And Joss Whedon was coming off of Serenity at the time, and I was a huge Firefly fan. But Serenity didn't quite hold up for me. Um, to me, that was lacking as a movie. So I was really hoping he would get it right for Avengers, and I do believe that he did. Um, there are a lot of great moments in Avengers. It's the first time we see Hulk as a legitimate character, the way he's intended to be in the comic books. Um, the horror sequence of him coming after Black Widow and the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier. That was an epic moment of the movie. Um, and then towards the end where they, he actually becomes part of the team with Cap saying, Hulk smash, and he just smiles at the camera. I mean, that's epic. That's a huge character arc for the Hulk. Um, we actually saw S.H.I.E.L.D. as a real thing. It was hinted at, it was cameoed a bunch of times with Phil Coulson, 
but this is the time where you actually see the shield organization helicarrier and all and you can see that they have actually created the superhero team to defend the world against alien threats or anything else that the regular humans of the world cannot deal with um, we also got one of our first proper superhero fights between heroes in this movie uh, with Iron Man versus Thor then again Captain America jumps in and blocks the hammer and you get the shockwave which is like right out of the video games using the powers combined to do combo attacks that was great uh, there's not a whole lot in this movie that I have a problem with I think it's pretty much a perfect movie right up until the end when all the Chitari just fall down dead after the nuke goes off um, if they had have thought through that story point a little bit more uh, maybe have the police go after the remaining soldiers uh, maybe a cleanup crew maybe damage control there's something you could have done there and you would have had a perfect movie um, so Avengers that's way high on my list of favorite movies of all time all that said this is going up against Infinity War and if Avengers is one of the greatest superhero movies ever Infinity War is the hold my beer moment. It's not just a great superhero team. It's a collection of superhero teams, a collection of characters. It's a culmination of everything that's been done up until this point. And they pulled it off. When this movie was announced, I was hoping that the Russo Bros would be able to navigate the story, bring it all together, and create something that we could all enjoy. Um, I did have some issues with Civil War, both with the villain and some plot holes. But I think in Infinity War, they upped their game. It's a better movie. It's way more complex. It's more impossible. But somehow they were able to achieve what they were trying to do with it. And they captivated an entire generation of viewers. Um, I've said in previous podcasts, Infinity War is my children's generation. It's their Empire Strikes Back. It's their chance to see a movie that they were invested in and the heroes actually lose. And it was an interesting thing to walk out of a movie that's so good and it's silence. Everybody's terrified. It's like almost a funeral procession walking out of the movie. Like, how could you kill Spider-Man? How could you kill Black Panther? Um, but then ultimately this sets us up for Endgame. So as far as box office showdown goes, I have to get this one to Infinity War. Oh, one more note I'm seeing on here on my post-its. Uh, Gamora's death. That's one... I had tears in my eyes uh, to see that a father would do that to his daughter uh, for power. Um, yeah, and the acting in that sequence is incredible. And it's even more incredible considering one character was under makeup and the other one was motion capture. <laughs> so the fact that they could convey that much emotion in that sequence again incredible so yeah my vote goes to infinity war so the avengers versus the avengers infinity war this is a tough one because they're both avengers films um they pretty much have the same casts yeah, the infinity war is a little bit more bloated but it's so you've got in the first avengers movie this is where we got to introduce the avengers as a team or eventually as a team as they came together um, and we got to learn some secrets like, you know, Bruce Banner's secret of being the Hulk, that he's always angry. Um, we got to learn a little bit of the relationship between, you know, Black Widow 
and Hawkeye. Um, and we, uh, I think it was also a really nice way of showing just how out of touch with modern culture Cap is. I mean, like the whole thing with the helicarrier and his guy, it's, it seems to run on some sort of electricity. He wouldn't really know, like, you know, high-end tech. It's, it's something he'd never really experienced. Um, it had a satisfying conclusion. Um, it, the Avengers set up all the other Avengers movies, like, you know, Cap's, you know, Iron Man's PTSD. Um, you know, it was the landmark movie. This is what gave the MCU the, the much needed kickstart to become the juggernaut that it is. Great films. It, it, when it's on TV, I watch it. Compared to Infinity War, is it the superior or inferior movie? It's tough. It's really, really tough. I mean, the scale of Infinity War is much grander. Um, so instead of dealing with Loki and the Chitari, we're now dealing with Loki's boss, Thanos. Um, and there are so many little pivotal moments that make the movie so much more. Um, the, you know, Hulk landing in the, in Dr. Strange's lap, the whole fight with Ebony Ma, you know, you know, earth closed grimace, go home. There were so many more of those little comedy moments. Um, but again, you had a bigger film, so it needs, it's a longer film. It needs to have more of those moments to, to compete. And it does, it does. It has those moments. It's got those moments where you are like, yes, like Avengers, one or two moments where you're like, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Hulk and Thor fight. And then, the, you know, the Hulk and Thor reaction, the Hulk beating up Loki. Those are all big yes moments. Are they as grand as the re-entrance of Thor into Wakanda? Seeing Thor at full power after Thor Ragnarok, where he's he is now truly the god of thunder and lightning. Um, I don't know. I it's it's a really tough call. This is probably one of the tightest races between the the, the two films. Um, it honestly, it comes down to the tiny little slices that what, which one did it better? Which one does it better? And I'd have to say as much as I would normally lean towards the Avengers against any other film, Joss Whedon just came up short compared to the Russo brothers. The Infinity War has to, in my vote, has to take it. It's, it's the superior film both as a standalone film and as a film in the Marvel ethos. Um, so that's my vote. When it comes to first, uh, Josh Whedon doing uh, The Avengers is a spectacular thing. It is It sets the precedent for everything from now on. It basically is the movie that you want all your other movies to get to. Um, any other movie universe wants to do what was pulled off in Marvel's The Avengers. Uh, it's the first time when you bring a collective huge group of characters together and to be able to get them
from their individual stories to work together as one team. And that's what happens in this movie. It's a spectacular done together, uh, great characters, uh, but the even better part about it is not all the characters are yet completely evolved, which is a fantastic scene, thing to do. To actually have character development with that many characters within a singular movie is also a spectacular thing to see. Uh, but again, it is the movie that sets up everything that comes after this. Uh, having the characters working together finally. Now, of course, we are talking about something that is, uh, well, quite now, is like nine years old. It came out in 2012, and we are looking at, um, again, development of how the movie is actually made is fantastic. How the movie is actually told in story form is evolves from this point on. But again, this is the first time when you've had to pull things together. Now, there are certain sequences that seem a little clunky coming together and whatnot at the beginning of the movie. Uh, certain storylines don't really pan out, uh, like a punch to the face will pull you out of this uh, enchantment that uh, Loki has put on some characters. Uh, I guess I understand, but uh, no one's going to bump their head at any time and all that. But well, anyways, that's not really here nor there. Um, the, um, the idea that at the beginning, these characters do not work well together. By the end, these characters work well together. Again, within a short two-hour window, this is very well pulled off. Now, in contrast to that, we have Infinity War. Now, this is the first of two huge epic movies. What they did in uh, The Avengers is basically on steroids is what they do in Infinity War. Uh, the best part about Infinity War is the ending is a loss. It's an Empire Strikes Back of a movie. It is the greatest version of what a cliffhanger is in a movie. Um, it was a time when movies would be obviously put into the fact that, hey, we're going to make sequels. And um, basically, your movie is set up with this ending that is like all open-ended. What's going to happen next? You don't know what's going to happen. And in Endgame, we were given this, oh no, what are they going to do now sort of ending. And um, so it, while it doesn't have a complete conclusion, it is still a well-ended movie. The movie ends at a point where everyone is not only are they excited for what they've just seen they're exhausted from the emotional turmoil that everyone goes through and everyone does go through a lot of turmoil in this movie it is a very very big emotional roller coaster this movie and you're introduced to every character under the sun that has been introduced in the marvel universe uh we've all of the characters uh, eventually work together again. Like the original Avengers, they eventually all come together to work together. Um, but uh, they are also spread out throughout the galaxy. Uh, stuff's happening in Earth. There's stuff happening out in space. There's stuff happening out... We Okay, we start off the movie in an emotional state because we lose two, three, four technically four characters at the beginning not only do we lose 
Heimdall, which we have known since 2011, so we've known this character for a while, um, Idris Elba, um, gets killed off. Um, we also have Loki killed. Uh, Tom Hiddleston completely out of the picture at the very beginning of the movie. He's uh, There's no coming back for this Loki. Uh, we have Hulk get beaten so badly in a one-on-one -on -one fight with Thanos that the Hulk refuses to transform. He stays hidden. He, he is basically... Banner has the Hulk trapped inside him and can't bring him out. And Thor loses the rest of his... His, his his world. I mean, the ship is completely blown up and everyone is set adrift. And um, that's it. There's no more... There's no more world for Thor to exist. And uh, he has to drift out into space with the rest of the space dust until he runs into the Guardians where he smacks up against their windshield and whatnot. And then they go off on their own adventure and they eventually split off. But anyways, that's beside the point. Um, Infinity War is a monumental task. So in a movie that is like two hours and 40 minutes long, you get a lot of movie. I mean, you get all the characters, like I said, that you were introduced in the MCU up until this point. And again, they fight to a loss. Everyone loses by the end of this movie. It's just a spectacular uh, undertaking for the Russo brothers to uh, work on. So that's basically it. Now, if I'm going to put these two movies up against each other, we've said this week in and week out. There are movies on this list that if they went up against almost any other movie, they would definitely win. This is one of the tougher ones as well because of what the Avengers is compared to what Infinity War is, and it's a hard choice. Again, at the time, if you put yourself in the theater at the time when you were watching these movies, the Avengers blew you away. You hadn't seen anything like that. No one had done anything like what you saw in the theater the first time you saw the Avengers. Um, I will even go that one step further by saying I actually sat in the theater for the 13, 14 hour marathon of the previous uh, Marvel movies to sit through to get to um, the, uh, the, the Avengers, the premiere of the Avengers. I was dressed up in my comic book style Hawkeye costume. Uh, <laughs> the, the purple and the black and whatnot, the chainmail around my neck and whatnot. Uh, leather pants were not a good idea because you sit you sit with your knees bent for too long. That vinyl, that pleather, they're not real leather, but that pleather, like, just tight on your kneecaps. Just, oh, when you go to stand up afterwards, no, no standing. Um, so it was a spectacular time. Um, but Infinity War, I'd won tickets to see it. So I got to see it also, again, in the theater with a bunch of like-minded people that were going to see it. I saw it in advance of everyone else um, in the GTA, and it was just so good. So I was there with a, with one of my best friends. Uh, we had a great time, and it was, we were, again, 
as blown away as we were for the one movie, this one just left us breathless. Ah, oh, it's just... That being said, of the two, well, I will watch The Avengers whenever it comes on. Um, I have, a, again, I have digital copies of all these movies, and I will watch them at any given moment. But push comes to shove. If I have to say which is my favorite out of these two, I'm going to have to say Infinity War. All right, so that being said, this is going to bring us to our final sequence of the episode, and that is going to be Adam Asks. Excuse me, I'd just like to ask a question. What the hell is going on here? What did you expect? Why so serious? You talking to me? You talking to me? A little short for a stormtrooper. What's in the box? You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Who is your daddy, and what does he do? What are you doing? I'm asking you a question. And this week... Adam asks, the Olympics are winding down. The Paralympic Games are about to start. What would a Geek Olympics look like to you? What events would you like to watch? What events do you think you could participate in? And what would cause the USSR to boycott your games? For the question this week, Adam asks about the Geek Olympics. Um, I've given this some thought. Now, I think we could have a lot of the sports that we see in the regular Olympics. Although, I do think there'd probably be a bit of a cosplay element to it. Uh, one of the first additions I think we would have is something like, if you've seen it, Extreme Eliminations. Um, I think that would be a good one. You'd have all the contestants dressed as their favorite superhero characters or other theme characters. All the ones you'd cosplay at conventions and going through an Extreme Elimination Challenge. Again, with the same kind of commentary that you would have in the show. Um, other people have mentioned this, but I agree. Lightsaber battles. That's one that would have to be included in the Geek Olympics. Um, I think we could have a Kobayashi Maru scenario out of Star Trek. Um, I don't know how that fits into an Olympics, but if it was a Geek Olympics, I mean, how can you get more geek than that? Uh, there would be some sort of a D&D. &D. It would probably be uh, something that would start as a preliminary round far before people with their level one characters have to work through an entire range of things as the characters get leveled up until they finally meet in the final match. And we'll see how strong their wizards and medics and trolls and whatever else are. Um, LARP. And this would be like the things with all the running sports, you know, where the same athletes can compete in the same sort of events and they can possibly win multiple medals. So there'd be live action role-playing games. Again, full out cosplay. Now in this case, because it's the Olympics, you'd probably have people built like Arnold Schwarzenegger playing the Barbarian. You'd probably have people with gymnastic abilities like Tom Holland playing a Spider-Man type character. Um, so that would actually be really fun to watch. Uh, LARPing adventure where people actually have all the talents of their characters. Um, Calvin Ball. Why not? Let's put Calvin Ball into the Geek Olympics. That'd be a lot of fun. Geeks like to make their own rules. Uh, what else? 
and I guess the last one would be there's be some sort of esports element to it. So for all the people that couldn't participate in the real sports, you'd probably have an esports for all the other geeks that couldn't compete athletically. That's my contribution. Back to you guys. So Adam's question of the Geek Olympics. Um, I was actually with my wife when I saw this question and I'm going to admit not all of these suggestions are mine because she was, her mind worked incredibly quick. Was she secretly thinking of this at some point in her life? I'm going to say no because I know her, but it's not a hundred percent firm. No, because I know her. Um, so we came up with, with the following events at the geek Olympics, there would be lightsaber combat, uh, trivia event, much like the gymnastics. So there's like, you know, the different um, uh, focuses. So like balance beam and uneven bars and floor exercise, but we're doing, it's like uh, the topics are comics, movies, star Wars, star Trek, and video games are the different events within that. So there you have the individual and then the team event where all of those categories, almost like a jeopardy, but a team jeopardy. So you'd have the team medals and then the individual medals. Um, cosplay, either a creation of or like pre-hand or during the event, creating a cosplay. You're just randomly given a character and the materials and go. Um, obstacle course, but a geek version. Um, instead of the standard marathon, uh, zombie avoidance marathon. So 26 miles and people are like lunging out at you. So you have to speed up and slow down and going through a variety of terrains instead of just running along the road. Uh, Nerf gun, war, paintball, laser tag, airsoft, all that fun stuff. Uh, video gaming, obviously. Uh, card games like Pokemon, Magic, um, stuff like that. And that was how would the USSR, who doesn't exist, boycott. Um, I would say it's when they say that uh, professional soldiers couldn't do the like the shooting gaming events so you can't have like the spetsnaz showing up for paintball same thing you u.s special forces can't be part of the paintball team either um so but then I, then i as things are percolating in my brain i was also thinking of well what about sports from movies so jugger from blood of heroes um some sort of light cycle motorcycle racing quidditch um and then you know, there could be a big like dance dance revolution you know have a bunch of machines and you know high score wins a gold um so stuff like, i think that's how we would do the geek olympics um and yeah that's how you know countries would boycott would be like you know steroid <laughs> steroids for for playing paintball or lightsaber combat or stuff like that so yeah that's that's my answer to this one my Geek Olympics that I could participate in. Hmm. Most Yoda-like phrases. Most conversational Wookiee. Uh, quickest Street Fighter ass kicking, as in kicking my ass to the curb. Uh, as for events I'd watch, real lightsaber dueling, complete with potential limb removal. Uh, Mario Kart racing in the streets of Tokyo. Uh, I feel like the Russians we banned from lightsaber dueling for extending the plasma blade uh, further than legal requirements. <laughs> All right, so is that the end of the podcast? Did this all work out? I hope so. I guess it's time for a collective goodbye. With all that said, thanks for listening, folks. This is a very disjointed effort, uh, episode, as you might have guessed, due to scheduling conflicts, tech issues, and gamma rays from space. 
Uh, I'll say an individual goodbye and have a good night. Goodbye. And as we normally do the three, two, one collective goodbye, I don't think that's going to work because this episode is going to feel kind of choppy because we're all recording at different times. Um, it's just our schedules kind of fell apart. So I think I will do something along the lines of, um, as the Vulcans say, live long and prosper. But as the Klingons say, fuck off and die. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm glad you guys stuck around for this kind of hybrid episode. Um, hopefully we won't have as many going forward. Our schedules will kind of align a little bit better. Maybe the planets will come into alignment. Maybe one day we'll do an actual episode where we're all in the same room and just one microphone. Oh gosh, how would that go? Um, probably a lot of drinking. Anyways, uh, you guys have a, a, a you know good night, good day, good afternoon, good morning, wherever, what time you're listening to this podcast. And if you're watching it, no, I didn't suddenly run out and change clothes during the podcast. Uh, this is recorded from a different day from some of the other segments I'm in. Um, if that was your concern that I'm, you know, ducking down below the desk and swapping clothes, I'm not because that'd be creepy. And while that could be me, it's not me. Um, I would just keep wearing the same stuff anyway. Anyways, uh, you guys have a, a good time and I hope you stick around for more episodes as they come down the bike. Cheers. All right. So that's going to conclude this particular episode uh, for this week. And again, for thanks for, uh, sticking around listening to this whole entire thing again the format for this particular week is a little different than it normally is but uh, again thank you for listening and again if you're going to be watching this uh, we have basically be putting these episodes up onto our youtube channel and if you want to check out the episodes that are already out there we have a back catalog that we are slowly but surely getting onto there you can go to youtube and search for planet geek productions and I believe our first uh, six, I believe uh, seven episodes are actually up there for your viewing pleasure. And what it is, it's basically I've just taken our Zoom meetings and just piled it all there and thrown it out onto uh, the uh, YouTube channel. So uh, you can see us interacting with us, all the stuff that you don't hear across it, a lot of uh, visual representations. And you can see uh, some of the times when uh, my dumbfounded face is uh, waiting for someone to respond and that's why there's dead air sometimes. All right. So on that being uh, that note, we're just going to say our um, individual or collective goodbyes and uh, goodbye individually. Damn, I still missed that up. You have just been listening to Geeking Off the Page with your hosts, Mike Kitchen, Gavin Burbage, Trevor Brown, and Troy Bowman. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Also, if you could leave us a rating and comment, that would assist in allowing others to find this podcast more easily. You can follow the podcast on the following social platforms. Instagram and Twitter, search for at PlanetGeekPod, all one word. On Facebook, search for Planet Geek Productions. Or you can send us an email to planetgeekpod at gmail.com Buy the guys a coffee by going to ko-fi ko-fi dot com slash planetgeekpod 
and know that any and all donations will go towards improving all current and future Planet Geek Productions programs. Thank you for listening.